When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley's going to keep it and then throw, and Adarius Bowman's got a pair. Touchdown, Eskimos. This one from 51 to tie it. Ball is up, and it is through. Sean White has done it again. Comes off the boards, two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net. Back hitter short side, he scores! Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game in overtime! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The athletes are marching in soon. The Canadians will enter the stadium. The Summer Olympics in Rio getting underway. And a couple of big games for Canadian teams tomorrow. Our uh, women's soccer team will be back on the pitch looking to go to 2-0. And the Canadian women's basketball team. Of course, they're based right here in Edmonton. The Ploof sisters, key members of that team. Tia Nurse, Darnell's sister. Maybe the best Canadian basketball player going right now. They get going tomorrow against China. Going to be fun for the next couple of weeks following these games. How you doing tonight? It is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6.07. Thank you so much for starting your weekend with us. It's going to be a fun show. We got a full preview of the Eskimos Red Blacks game tomorrow. And that's on Ched, of course. 3.30 for the pregame show. The ball will fly into the air at five as the Eskimos uh, try to get back in the win column after two disappointing losses on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Oh, speaking of the Olympics, Arash Madani from Sportsnet in Rio. Uh, I talked to him this afternoon. We'll have that interview tonight. Uh, we'll talk a little golf as well with Taylor Sinsky, the director of golf over at the Quarry. Oh, and the rosters announced today for the alumni game for the Heritage Classic. Now, the Heritage Classic will be October 23rd in Winnipeg, outdoors at Investors Group Field between your Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets. The day before, on Saturday the 22nd, they'll have the alumni game. Some of the uh, former Oilers taking part include Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry, Craig Simpson, Ryan Smith, Grant Fuhr, Kevin Lowe, Paul Coffey, and Bill Ranford, who's going to join us in about seven or eight minutes to tee that up. Uh, Ranford also played in the alumni game back in, uh, when was that, Matthew? 2003 against the Montreal Canadiens alumni at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. So uh, Ranford's going to get another kick at the cat here. That'll be fun. Already starting to tee that up. Big event in Winnipeg. So uh, the opening ceremonies are underway, and Canada is going to walk uh, into the stadium soon. They're on the bees right now. Uh, Bulgaria coming into the stadium as we speak. So, uh, yeah, no, no, really, uh, no real events to talk about tonight, but always a big spectacle for the opening ceremonies. Uh, Matthew Panashik is our studio producer this evening. Once again, in the middle of pulling something like a 15-hour day, uh, first of all, Matthew, just thanks for being awake. 
for the show tonight. Appreciate well, that. I just woke up woke up about two minutes ago. You did. So. You actually did have a nap, didn't you? This I afternoon? did. I you saw me you. on the couch. I don't know why you're working so much, but I do appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I'm not a big opening ceremonies guy, uh, but I kind of had one eye on this. I thought it looked pretty cool, and they had they had a little. Did they not have a little plane that didn't look like it looked like it was made out of paper mache? And then it actually flew out of the stadium. I didn't realize this. Brazil has some connection to the uh, origin of flight. Interesting. I didn't realize that either. Yeah. So uh, a, a lower uh, budget ceremony, they were saying, than, uh, than other ones. But I thought, uh, I thought some pretty impressive stuff. I mean, they're, all, you're all, they're always trying to one-up each other. And the one thing I respect about these opening ceremonies, uh, I mean, it's not like a Broadway show where you might rehearse for months, but then you could do several years of the show on stage. This is a lot of rehearsal, and you get to do it one time, right? So I certainly respect all the work that goes into that. So like I said, Canada will be coming in uh, very soon as the Olympics get underway. Baseball tonight. The Toronto Blue Jays are visiting the Kansas City Royals. Uh, the Blue Jays are 19-9 since July 1st. They're tied with Baltimore for first in the American League East, and the, the uh, Orioles will take on the White Sox. Francisco Lariano will pitch for the Blue Jays for, on the season. Coming over from Pittsburgh, 6-11 and with a 5.46 ERA. This is interesting, Matthew. Uh, he and Russell Martin, now the Blue Jays catcher, used to be teammates, right, with the Pirates. His ERA with Martin catching, a very good 2.92. So we'll see if he can rekindle some of that success. Uh, Kansas City, only six wins in their last 20. They've fallen to 51-57 and uh, 57 on the year. Did I miss Canada coming in? No. Okay, Verde. Okay. I don't know why. No, Canada's not coming yet. Oh, they, well, they got a different alphabet. Because they're using, uh, they spell certain countries differently, right? Oh, yeah. So they had we had uh, Cape Verde. They had Cabo Verde. Because oh, they yes. use, uh, they speak Portuguese. Here comes Cameroon in. Cameroon. So, uh, yeah, we'll be soon. That's probably spelled the same. I don't know. I'm just making it up as I go. But, yeah, yeah they show Canada's coming up next. They got a little flag there on, on, the, uh, on the old telly. All right. Oh, by the way, you want to reach us here. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. If you uh, would like to email me, inside sports at 630ched.com, and uh, you can tweet me. At Reed Wilkins. Morley Scott uh, will join us uh, at 6.30 tonight. we got to tee up what's going on with the Edmonton Eskimos tomorrow uh, as they play the Ottawa Red Blacks. Speaking of the uh, opening ceremonies, there was a, a little bit of disappointment for Brazilian sports fans leading into this. Though Rio organizers never confirmed it, Pele had said he was invited to light the cauldron tonight. Now the soccer grade says he will not attend the opening ceremony because of poor health. He'd earlier said a commitment to a sponsor would force him to travel today. Pele is easily Brazil's most recognizable athlete, and his absence denies this country a chance to celebrate its biggest star. In a written statement, Pele is apologizing for disappointing Brazilians. Sagar Magani, Rio de Janeiro. All right, so Pele would be certainly as big in Brazil as Wayne Gretzky would, would, would be here. As Canada now coming into the stadium, 36 uh, 
1.1 million Canadians. We are represented by 314 athletes. Canada will try to build on its medal total from 2012 in London. We grabbed 18 medals four years ago. The only gold, Rosie McLennan in uh, trampoline, and she is Canada's flag bearer tonight. So uh, we'll see if she can do it again. I want to. I, I if, if you if you can listen for the next hour or so. I, I know a lot of people are in and out as they're driving around or doing other stuff on a Friday night. But Matthew, I mentioned a Rash Madani from Sportsnet is going to be on. I, I I taped him this afternoon because of obviously the work he's doing in Brazil, and he has a great Canadian story about a past uh, Olympic medalist, one of his past experiences covering the Olympic Games. He, he'll be on it at 7.05 tonight, after the 7 o'clock news. And it, it's really worth listening to. I don't want to give it away. He tells it very well. Uh, I think it'll spark some discussion and thought after he tells the story. It's a very positive story. And let's face it, I, I think there's a lot of cynicism and negativity around the Olympics these days. I certainly have spoken that way on this show the uh, russian state-sponsored doping scandal hasn't done the the olympics any good Uh, certainly you know i've heard from listeners on the text line or on the phone line about how the olympics has become a corporate event and maybe they should go back to just letting amateurs in it i mean the golf tournament especially on the men's side is kind of you know a lot of negativity there with the guys dropping out not wanting to go with these games, the, the Zika virus, the sewage in the water, all that kind of stuff. But Arash is just going to have a great personal story about a Canadian athlete that hopefully will serve as a reminder why not just the Olympics are important and have their place, but why sport is important and, and why it's important for us to remember how hard these athletes work and why it's important to be represented by some of these fine Canadian athletes. That'll be a rash Madani later on tonight. What we're going to do now, take a quick break and then bring in former Oilers goaltender Bill Ranford. He's been announced today part of the Oilers alumni team for the Heritage Classic in October. Listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chat. 619, thanks for tuning in tonight. Bill Ranford will be back in an Oilers uniform on Saturday, October 2nd. He'll play in the alumni game, Oilers versus Jets, leading into the uh, Heritage Classic on October 23rd. And Bill Ranford joins us now. Welcome back to the show, Bill. How are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to join us. And uh, uh, exciting news today with uh, the alumni game announced and the roster being announced and all that stuff. Uh, l- let me start with this one. Uh, what do you like most about playing a hockey game outside? <laughs> well, hopefully it's not as cold as the last one. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, that's the main the concern, thing. eh? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I was real fortunate to, uh, to be part of the first Heritage Classic there that we had in Edmonton against Montreal. And... Um, you know, when this uh, when I got the phone call uh, uh, from Barry Stafford that uh, you know Wayne Gretzky was was the guy kind of putting the list together, and and when he asked me to be part of it, uh, you know, for me it was a no-brainer. What's take me back to the to the first Heritage Classic because that was the the game that started this pretty impressive 
trend of games being played outside on both sides of the border. Um, I mean, I'm sure you'd been in Commonwealth Stadium before, but just the magnitude of seeing all those fans and seeing a hockey rink in in the middle of, of a football stadium. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, we had the opportunity, obviously, to to skate on the ice ahead of time. But when we came out um, for the actual game, once the stand uh, the stands were filled and the, the fans had arrived, it, it was. It we you know we basically climbed off the off the bus uh, right by the entrance to uh, Commonwealth, and as soon as we stepped out, uh, and obviously you know the goalies. Uh, have the opportunity to lead the way it was uh, just this amazing it's like white noise um just absolutely bizarre uh, feeling when you walked in and and uh you know everybody was on their feet cheering and in such a big stadium it uh it was an incredible feeling i think for everybody so how cold was it and how many layers were you wearing bill <laughs> well you know, I I, I got to thank Dwayne Mandrusiak of the uh, Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, he's he's their equipment guy, and and he took care of Piersy and I, and he put us uh, in one of those uh, full one onesies with uh, with headgear, and because it, it was cold, and and it was all right for Piersy because he got to play the first half. I was I was sitting on uh, sitting by the penalty box, and and the way they had the heating system that year it was in th- in three cycles so it was the long part of the bench uh the short side of the bench and then the penalty box so it was cycling about every 20 to 30 seconds so i'd be freezing for a minute and then warm up for 30 seconds and that went on for the first period and a half till i went into the game and and it, it was cold i mean it's uh but i think that's what made that day special the fact that it was you know good old canadian hockey cold weather you know the guys uh, pulling out the shovels to get the snow off the ice it, it was just an absolutely amazing experience and then the fact that it warmed up to almost 10 degrees the next day um you know it, it, i think it was better that that, that it was cold well, and, and the weather in Winnipeg, as it is in Edmonton, uh, unpredictable. Obviously, the, the game in Winnipeg is going to be about a month earlier than, than the one in Edmonton. Let me throw this one at you, Bill. Uh, you were born in 1966. What do you remember about the World Hockey Association? Because obviously that's where the matchup between these two franchises first began. Yeah, you know, for me, I, I, not a whole lot about it because uh, I was in I was in Germany from uh, '74 to '79. Uh, my dad was in the military, so I was over there. So I really didn't um, know a whole lot uh, about the WHA. Obviously, uh, you know, I was seven when I went over there. So the the few years previous to that, you know, you're you're relying on hockey cards and that sort of thing. So. Um, you know, when I moved back to Canada, we 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 were in Portage Prairie, so obviously I knew about you know the history of of the Winnipeg Jets and the WHA with Bobby Hall, and um, so um, you know I guess the fact beforehand and after that I had a little touch with through hockey cards, and then when I came back, that living an hour down the road from Winnipeg, um, I knew a little bit about it, but not a lot. Certainly one of the most memorable series between these two teams is the one in 1990 when you guys came back from a 3-1 deficit in the first round and then you won the Stanley Cup from there. You were obviously the MVP of, of, of the playoffs. And I, I guess, I mean, for you, is, is that when you think of the Winnipeg Jets, is that what you think of is, is that comeback in that series and how you sort of recovered from a rough couple games to, to, to roll from there? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's it's kind of ironic because I was uh, last year I was inducted into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, and, and that's one of the biggest things we talked about. You know, I I wasn't the most well liked uh, individual uh, because of that series and uh, in Winnipeg, but I I mean you just you, you just love that atmosphere. It was crazy. Um, you know, passionate fans and. Uh, you know the disappointment when we came back in seven games is it was obvious and and when you're when you're sitting a, a amongst, amongst a, a lot of people from Winnipeg they uh uh they they they're still pretty bitter about the about that uh playoff run but um for me it was a defining point in my career it was either things were going to go well or or not and, and I was fortunate enough through the help of my teammates and management and staff that I was able to get things turned around and and you know once our team started rolling as a group we uh we rolled on right into the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I mean you joined the Oilers in the 87-88 season. The Jets had had a couple really good teams uh before that, so you you wouldn't have been involved in a couple of those matchups, but they they still stayed a pretty strong competitor after that and, and, and I mean you were you were with the Oilers for for a while be, playing the Jets before they moved obviously. So is there is there a jet player or two you know that, that really gave you fits just with either his offensive ability or or his willingness to crash the crease and get in your way things like that well i mean uh dale Howardchuk, you know comes to mind uh, you know he was a veteran player with a lot of skill made things happen um you know, Steen was another guy that that we we always had to worry about, and then you know the tail end, uh, obviously Tamo Solani coming into the picture. Um, you know, he he was uh, he was he was fun to watch, and I remember the 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 we played them late in the season, and he was um, working on on the all rookie scoring goal scoring record, and I remember actually they get in a penal uh, a power play late in the game, and and I basically waited for him to shoot because I knew they were going to feed him. So I was cheating over to him every time because I didn't want to be in the record books for the guy that was being scored on to break the record. So um, we were losing the game badly as it was. So <laughs> I just cheated, you know, And uh, but, you know, he was he was amazing to watch uh, that year. I mean, this might sound like a, like a stupid question, but, I mean, I, you, sometimes you get a different perspective from the guys who are actually on the ice as opposed to people like me who just watched what made Solani dangerous or maybe was there an element to his game that maybe the fans wasn't as apparent to the fans you know maybe a subtlety that you would have seen that wouldn't have been apparent watching on TV well i think just the the combination of his his um his speed and then his knack around the net you know if if you gave him anything he took advantage of it um but you know he uh he may have slowed down a little bit at the end of his career, but you know, early on in his career, before his knee injuries, he he was dynamic. And um, you know, when you have the speed and and the combination of speed and scoring touch, uh, it's it's not uh, you know, it really makes sense why he was as successful as as he was throughout his career. And and the fact that he um, you know, even in the the latter stage of his of his career in in Anaheim, he was he was still a threat every time he was on the ice. You know, he's an amazing, amazing person, an amazing athlete, and, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, to not only play against him, but obviously coach against him, too. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bill, good for you to be part of this game. It's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun weekend, too. You guys on the Saturday and then the Oilers and the Jets in the NHL game on Sunday the 23rd. Hey, really appreciate your time. It's always good to catch up with you, Bill. Take care.
All right. Thanks for having me. Former Oilers goaltender Bill Ranford ready to go in the alumni game at the Heritage Classic. Get more on that, by the way, by going to the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Dave Semenko was on with Brendan Ulrich on Oilers Now earlier today. The Blue Jays have jumped out to a quick one nothing lead on the Royals. That's in the bottom of the first in Kansas City. When we get back, we will go to our nation's capital, Morley Scott, there to call tomorrow's game between the Eskimos and the Red Blacks. This is Inside Sports on 630ched. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right. Friday night. Thanks for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630, Ched, the Olympics uh, opening ceremonies going on. I admit I have now uh, switched the channel over to the baseball game because Canada has walked in. Blue Jays and Kansas City tied 1-1 in the uh, top of the second inning. But i got to tell you, this isn't just a special uh, Friday night edition, uh, or this isn't just a regular edition of Inside Sports. It's a special edition of Inside Sports. It's your Friday night Dance Party edition of the show. Everybody dance now! Everybody dance now! As we bring in Morley Scott from Ottawa, where he's currently shaking his booty to the sweet notes of the CNC Music Factory. Hi, Morley. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> there you go. We are all ready for this. How's it going, buddy? I'm good. How are you, Reed? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, how are things in the nation's capital? Hot. I mean, it is scorching hot here. 33, 34 degrees. When we landed yesterday, it was up over 30 degrees today. I think the prediction high tomorrow is uh, 28 degrees, and uh, they're expecting it to be about 26 degrees at kickoff uh, tomorrow night. So it's hot, but it's not just uh, the normal hot, right? We're out east, so it's it's muggy, it's hot, it's humid, and uh, everybody's dripping out here right now if you're outside. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that's going to probably play into it tomorrow night a little bit, especially for the Eskimos who aren't used to it, uh, and especially because they run that hurry-up open. So the, uh, the receivers running downfield and then running back to get into the play quickly and then running again are probably going to wear it down a little bit, and they'll have to hydrate an awful lot uh, through the night tonight and all day tomorrow to be ready for the game. Yeah, well, that mugginess. I mean, I have family in southern Ontario, so I'm there every year or two, like so, like around Kitchener, Waterloo, and and some family in the GTA. And when it's muggy there, man, I'm just like I, you. I mean, as bad as it is outside, you, you it's impossible to be in a house unless it's highly air conditioned too. So yeah, it's different when you've grown up in in uh, in Western Canada like you and I have. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I, I did uh, spend the early parts of my life in Eastern Canada, but then moved west for most of it and. Uh, I forgot. You forget just how bad it is and just how uncomfortable it can be, for sure. We were sitting in the press box between uh, uh, the, the Red Blacks walkthrough when the Eskimos arrived today, and it was air-conditioned, and uh, Dave thought he'd pop the window open a little bit. So we opened up the window, and the wind coming through was actually a hot breeze coming through. And uh, we said, no, let's close that window because it's just, it's just too unbearable. So uh, It's tough. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of people uncomfortable in this part of the world right now because of the heat. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously there, there are a lot of players from the southern United States, uh, you know, who have, who 
find it cold when it's plus 25 and dry in western canada so they're but but yeah for some guys it could have a bit of an effect on them so we'll we'll see if that uh, plays now are, is there going to be a storm rolling in potentially later in the uh, evening like I, we get here yeah they have, they said there's a chance of rain tonight but uh right now when i i look at the forecast it's not a huge uh, chance of a storm in fact they don't even put it as i'm looking at the forecast right now it's not even uh, in the forecast there's supposed to be a uh, a chance of some rain tonight uh, but uh, that's about it right now. Nothing in the forecast for tomorrow, which is certainly good news. All right. Well, uh, we're going to have Jeff Avery on the show. He's the uh, analyst for the Ottawa Red Blacks broadcast. So they are a team that uh, started hot, and now maybe there are con- some concerns uh, leaking into their lineup. And, and we know about uh, the Eskimos' concerns, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, give us a sense where the defense is at, Morley. Uh, any injuries, any any lineup changes that fans need to be aware of here? No, no changes, no changes at all to the Eskimos' defense. So, well, except for for one minor move, and and that is Gregory Alexander comes off the roster. He'll go on the one-game injured list, defensive tackle for the Eskimos, and that's to make room for Nate Tuhorn's return on the offensive side of the football. But uh, defensively for the Eskimos, I kind of got the feeling uh, talking to, uh, to uh, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss today that uh, he wants, as I, as I said earlier, he wants to let the guys who broke it fix it. And uh, he's got a lot of confidence in the, in the group that he's got and, the, and in the positions they're in right now. And he wants to see them uh, play through. Like he said uh, today when, when Dave and I were talking, with him, he said, yeah, Solomon means maybe having some issues now. But I guarantee you, his last five games this year will be way better than his first five games this year. Uh, they just want to be patient and let these guys learn and let them get better as they go along. There's an awful lot of new guys back there, and uh, they got to learn to play together. They got to learn to communicate. They got to learn to be a team back there defensively. And I'm mostly referring, especially to the defensive backfield, uh, which is just, uh, except for Patrick Watkins and and Marcel Young just been uh, totally, totally made over by the Eskimos this year on the on the other side of the field. So uh, it's, uh, it's they feel they're getting close, and, and we're going to have a, uh, a kind of an in-depth interview with uh, Eskimos defensive uh, coordinator Mike Benavides tomorrow night on the pregame show, and we, we go into that, uh, the communication part of it and what that means and, and, and what it's going to take to get these guys playing at a higher level. And he believes it's coming, and, and he says despite the numbers that – that people talk about uh, that he he thinks the defense is getting better game by game and will be able to to be in a much better position in the next few weeks. Well, they're going to have to be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I- there's no doubt about that. You know, like what are you, whether the old thing, right? The definition of insanity is just doing the same thing and hoping things change. And and uh, right now, you just can't keep running this these guys out there and giving up 35 points and you know 400 yards every night. Yeah, uh, you, you're going to have to change something at some point, but. Uh, right now, I get the impression they're willing to give it a couple of more games to to let it you know to let it ease in and see if they can get better uh, in the next couple of games. Tough test tomorrow night, though, against uh, uh, the, a team that, that loves to chuck the ball and puts up some pretty good numbers in the Ottawa Red Blacks. So uh, they'll be challenged for sure. Well, and, and Neil King, the safety, joined me on the show last night, Morley, and he made those same kind of comments about communication, pre-snap reads, adjustments. Because it's one thing to call your defense. But then you see how the other team lines up and where the receivers go in motion, and all it takes is one defensive back to misread that or to think, oh, now I'm doing this instead of this. He does the wrong thing. All, like, all it takes is for one receiver to be wide open to give up a large chunk of yard. So it seems to me that, that they believe they have the right personnel. 
Now I yeah. think I, I think all the fans and and the, and you know you and me and Dave know that okay Grimes and Ojo uh, aren't directly replaceable, so you have to do it as a, as a unit. And, and and it's interesting that Jason Moss believes we got to let the the guys that broke it fix it. How long do you stay with that, right? How long do you say I can't give them any more time to figure it out because we're we're giving up too many yards? Yeah, there, there comes a point where, you you know, as they say, you got to fish or cut bait, right? But right now, they just want to stick with these guys and try and let them go. It's funny that, that Neil brought up the communication aspect of it. I've heard that a lot this week from guys about, you know, we got to communicate better. So I, I was talking to Jason Moss about it today and just said, Can you, you know, what, what do you mean by communicate? He just says, well, as you mentioned, you know, the plays called and then the plays change. And, and he specifically talked about that Darvin Adams touchdown. Uh, for Winnipeg last week when Pat Watkins uh, uh, came up tight and, and, and played man, right, and press. Uh, he did that because there was supposed to be a couple of other guys that move in behind him and were to cover Adams after he got by him. Uh, so he taps with Adams, Adams gets by him, but everybody else didn't get the, play, the, the change in the, in the play. So it looks like Watkins gets beat cold, but he didn't because he was doing what he was supposed to do, but somebody else didn't do what they were supposed to do. So uh, that's what they mean by communication, and that's something that I guess, and as we talked about with guys, there's only one way to get better at it, right? And that's reps. Just practice it. Keep doing it over and over and over again, and that's why they want to give them not only more games, Reed, uh, a couple more games, but more practice time too. Um, and that's, that's just what they're, they're just waiting for it and, and hoping that at some point it's going to click in. Morley Scott joining us from Ottawa. He does the play-by-play for Eskimos games right here on 6.30. Chad, tomorrow at 5, it'll start with uh, game time. Our coverage begins with the pregame show at 3.30. Offensive side of the ball, they went through a lull. Um, Second half, Hamilton first half. Winnipeg kind of got things going against Winnipeg. I I don't have as many concerns about the offense. I guess we'll see how I feel in about 26 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Kuhorn's back, and uh, what's going on in the offensive line? Because didn't Sorensen miss the last game at center? Yeah, and he's going to miss this game too and probably uh, a few more after that too. So Rotier is going to play center again, and that means Chris Greaves comes in and plays at left guard. Matt O'Donnell didn't practice for the first two days of camp uh, this week at practice, but he was there yesterday, and he will be at the starting right guard spot uh, tomorrow. That's the situation, as, as Jason Moss said. He's, he's, he's had some stuff bugging him, and he has, uh, the last couple of weeks, that's how he's operated, two days off, one day on as far as practice goes, and then game day. So uh, there's no concerns with him not playing. Uh, so he'll be at the right guard spot. And, of course, Batiste and Washington will be uh, will be at the tackle position. So uh, that doesn't change from last week. It did change last week, but it doesn't change from last week. And the only change in offense is, is Q-Horn being added back into the lineup. And that, you know, brings in some experience, brings in some great downfield blocking as well uh, with Nate Q-Horn there. And I'm with you, Reid. I'm not concerned at all about the offense. I think the offense is going to be fine. Um, they got to get into a position where they don't have to score 36 points every night, though. they got to get into a position where when they score 24, that's going to be enough to win. And I know uh, defensive coordinator Mike Benavides has said that. He's told his guys 20 points is what we want. 20 points is the mark. If we give up 20 or less, we should win the football game. So they got to get that whittled way down. Uh, the offense is going to get – I think the offense is going to get their 20 points most nights and then some. So uh, the, the concerns for me continue to be on defense. So we'll see how they adjust tomorrow. All right. Uh, Morley, before I let you go, I, I want to uh, get some of your memories of uh, the first ever 
Heritage Classic in 2003. The alumni rosters were announced for the game in uh, Winnipeg coming up in a couple of months. Oilers against the Jets. I had Bill Ranford on the show in the in the last half hour. Um, that was a uh, a memorable and cold day, obviously, as the Oilers and the Canadians met. It it sure was very memorable. Uh, the one thing I remember is that uh, we walked into the booth and uh, same booth we do football out of now. But Rod Phillips and I walked into the booth and. Uh, they wanted to put a, a camera in the booth, a TV camera. Uh, and so to do that, they had to have the windows open. And uh, I walked into the booth. I got there a little bit before Rod. And as soon as I walked in, I said, whoa, this is not going to work. And I went over to my headset and, uh, my, and my headset and microphone, and I picked it up by the cord. And you know those, remember those old uh, uh, invisible dogs they used to sell with the leash that was stiff and you could oh, like right. walk a dog around? That's what my headset was like with the cord. <laughs> I picked it up and I kind of held it up in the air two feet above my head and I said, we're going to need to warm this booth up. So they ended up having to take the uh, the camera out. We closed the windows and then turned the heater on and we got everything uh, thawed out. But uh, that that's my first memory. Uh, second memory is uh, uh, this one sticks with me. Just seeing in the first game, in the alumni game, seeing uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, and all those great players shoveling snow right. and getting the ice clean, just like we all did when we were a little tight. Uh, getting the ice clean so we could we could play on it and uh, that that sticks with me as well and and also I remember uh, Steve Stale because uh, until they played another outdoor game and until some guys got to play more outdoor games Steve Stale as I used to call him was uh, the NHL's all-time leading scorer outdoors because he had a goal and two assists in that game I believe and, and he led all outdoor right. scores <laughs> until Crosby and those guys got to play two and three games outside so so those are kind of my memories. And, and the other big one I remember, Reed, is that uh, halfway through the game, everybody's freezing. It's really cold. Uh, I mean, we were inside. It's still cold. But uh, halfway through the game, they're in a commercial break, and it's kind of quiet. And they, and they were playing some commercials on the big screen. And uh, one of the local TV stations had a sponsorship, and they brought the weather guy on. And he started to give the weather forecast. And he talked about how tomorrow it's going to warm up to about minus five and everybody started to boo yeah, because it was a day too late and they were all freezing today but it was going to get warmer tomorrow when everybody was going to be back inside right all right well you're, you're good sounds like it's going to be the opposite weather tomorrow for you when the uh, Eskimos take on the Red Blacks hey, uh, CFL the only league in the world that plays that plus 30 and minus 30 and uh, tomorrow <laughs> we're going to get the plus 30 part of it Morley, thanks for your time, buddy. Really appreciate you coming on Inside Sports. Have a great call tomorrow. I'll be listening. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos. Already the uh, one-third point of the season for your green and gold. Can they get to 500 against the Red Blacks? You can text 630-630, the open line, 780-496-0063. Nate Kuhorn does return. That will help uh, the Eskimos receivers. He doesn't get a lot of action, but pretty reliable alternative for uh, Mike Riley whenever he's he's needed. Plays that wide side position, an important Canadian on the Eskimos roster. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Check them out online. You can go to actionfurnace.ca. We're going to go to Brazil with Arash Madani coming up in the next hour of the show. Stick around for that. Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to 6.30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
All right, 1-1, Blue Jays and Royals. That's at the top of the third. We'll keep you posted on that game tonight. The Blue Jays uh, tied with the Orioles atop the American League East. The O's lead the White Sox 1-0. That game is in the top of the third. The Olympics underway. We'll talk more about that with Arash Madani that is coming up after 7.05. You can always text 6.30. We have criticism at both ends of the scale tonight, Matthew Panashik. Welder Dave says, unbelievable, talking hockey every month of the year. Came in during the Bill Ranford interview. Don't know what to tell you, Welder Dave. Alumni rosters were announced tonight. Thought it'd be cool to have Bill Ranford on the show. Alan and Darren say, loving the energy tonight. Thanks again for putting on a rocking show. We both agree that working all the late nights and 16-hour days is worth it. When you have an awesome show like yours, appreciate the work you do. And a shout-out to Matt, who is on the Iron Man Hours team with us. That is from Alan and Darren, who uh, have texted in before, and I appreciate hearing from both of them. And, yeah, they're working some long days. So, uh, hey, this if this show brings a little joy into your life, that makes me really happy. And i, I got to say, uh, anybody uh, working tonight, and uh, listening to the show, first of all, thanks. Second of all, if you're working past nine, once Inside Sports is over, you have my p- permission to play your favorite music as loud as you want at work. And just tell them Wilkins said you could do it. Hey, Matthew. I agree, buddy. Just blare it. Just blare your favorite music. I appreciate if you finished Inside Sports first, then just crank it up. Put some Brian Adams on, and why not? I love Brian Adams. He's my favorite. So Now, how many hours have you worked this week, Matthew, and why is this happening? I don't understand. Well, Just quickly tell me, let, and let Alan and Darren know. I mean, they appreciate, we all appreciate what you're doing. Well, I just don't I, want you to get sick. I don't want you to get tuckered out. I don't well, want you to get pooped. I took Monday and Tuesday off, to be honest with you. I didn't come in Monday oh, Tuesday. Oh, I wasn't here those days either. So uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I promised Ulrich that I would come in between 12 and 2 to help him out with orders now. So I decided to do that. And then when, after that show, what I'll do is I'll go downstairs and just put my have some lunch and then put my head on the couch for a little while and then come back up and uh, start again at 4.30, do Jalen and I and Andrew Gross's show till 4.30 to 6, then do your show 6 to 9, and then play some at night with Dan Riendo after that. And then the old radio shows, then go home. All right, so there's your day. Well, I hope you're day. getting some rest, not eating too many bugles. No, I quit. I, I retired the bugles <laughs> for a little while, buddy. You I'm have... actually getting some exercise and eating healthier. Good. Good. That'll help. Uh, excuse me. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Brian texts into the show. He says, when are the Olympics over? <laughs> uh, what would it be? Sunday the 21st, I want to say. They, they last for two weeks, three weekends. Brian already, well, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't assume every text is negative. But, but I, I just imagine Brian with the, uh, the opening ceremonies on TV. He must have inside sports on in the background, volume turned down on the TV. Watching the opening ceremonies. And Brian, maybe I'm totally wrong. But, but this is the image I have of Brian. At home, got the radio on, surfing channels, comes across the opening ceremonies, and he's like, oh, yeah, the Olympics. This is a big deal. And now he's two hours into the opening ceremony. He's like, what is this over? Maybe he just, maybe he just means when are the opening ceremonies over? I, 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 think, I think the Olympics last 17 days and the opening ceremonies last 15 and a half. 
then it's a, a half day of events and then two out two days of closing ceremonies. I I, <laughs> I think that's how it goes. <laughs> Uh, Michael says, I haven't heard Matthew talk that much before. What kind of accent is that? Accent? I, I believe it's an Edmonton accent. Uh, are, I believe so. Are you born and raised in Edmonton? Yeah, of course. But, you know, it's it's kind of funny that people think I am have some sort of a Newfoundland accent, I guess, Reed. I've, I've been told that before, so I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. You sound like a regular guy to me. Yeah, same here. But uh, what can you do? Besides, in Alberta, we don't have accents. Everybody else in the world has an accent. You're right, eh? <laughs> That's true. Uh, the Blue Jays have gone up 2-1 on the Royals. That game is in the top of the third. Okay, so a Rash Madani, and if you missed me teasing this earlier, I, I, I taped a Rash earlier today because of his responsibilities in, in Rio and a bit of a time change. I think they're, what, three hours ahead of us. Uh, he has a great story about a Canadian Olympian in the course of that interview. Jeff Avery is going to join us from Ottawa. The Red Blacks, as, as worried as Eskimos fans are about tomorrow's game, I think Red Blacks fans are equally as worried. He's going to tell us why. And we'll talk a little uh, baseball with the owner of the Edmonton Prospects. That's a team in the Western Major Baseball League who are enjoying a pretty good playoff run right now. They have some home games coming up Sunday and Monday at the Edmonton Ballpark. That's uh, used to be called Telus Field. And uh, he'll take us through what's been an interesting season. They've had to share the ballpark with the team from Fort McMurray. And uh, it's been an interesting ride for that club. They had some a couple of seasons where they didn't win very many games. And uh, like most uh, minor teams in a large city, they're always struggling for fans. So he'll take us through some of that as well. It is Inside Sports on 630. Chad, keep the text coming to 630-630-780-496-0063. Oh, Brian says, I'm driving a truck right now, listening to the radio, going home tomorrow, hoping the Olympics are done soon. Ha, ha, ha. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for writing back, Brian, and safe travels tonight. Talk to you soon. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.